Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. You don't always need to be breathing harsh chemicals every night when you go to sleep. Instead, try Cozy Earth for premium bamboo bedding and loungewear for ensured comfort without the toxins. More than just being certified free of harsh chemicals and dyes, all of the products from Cozy Earth are responsibly sourced and produced. Made from viscose from bamboo, one of the most sustainable plants on the planet, Cozy's Earth's bedding and loungewear is temperature regulating, moisture wicking, antibacterial, antimicrobial, and incredibly soft for a comfortable night's sleep. With quality on their mind, Cozy Earth uses an enhanced weave quality that won't peel and looks as good as new every night. Customers love Cozy Earth, shown through thousands of five-star reviews for their products, which are all covered under a 10-year warranty. To try Cozy Earth's premium bedding and loungewear at 40% off, use the code JIPODCAST at CozyEarth.com backslash discount backslash JIPODCAST. Once again, that's CozyEarth.com backslash discount backslash JIPODCAST. Shannon Tripp, an RN, is passionate about motherhood and the pursuit of a natural, holistic living approach. Working as a pediatric ER nurse for 10 years gives Shannon a unique perspective at home with her own family. She truly believes the greatest joys in life come through intentional motherhood, dedicating her time to educating mothers on how to keep their children happy and healthy through illness and injury. Shannon teaches both through prevention and action steps. Through her work, mothers gain the confidence and tools to know that they are innately capable of keeping their babies safe and healthy. Shannon is proud of the launch of her new online course, Mastering Medical Emergencies at Home, a comprehensive course for caretakers who want to feel more confident in caring for their little ones. This course, already well-received by thousands around the world, allows parents to become more confident and knowledgeable to care for their children at home. Shannon's greatest joy is her family, her husband and four children, three girls and a boy. She is a former college basketball athlete and has found a love for surfing as she has recently moved between Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Through her passion and enthusiasm, Shannon shares medical knowledge, positivity, and life experiences, spreading joy through her work. Thank you, Shannon, so much for being here today and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I have followed you for quite a while and I just love everything that you teach. And so thank you for taking your time. You're a busy mom. Um, so thank you for taking the time to be here. Of course. Oh my gosh, Carolyn. I am so, I really am so grateful to be here. I think the world of you and the community you've built. So thank you for having me. Thank you. So tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, why you became a pediatric ER nurse, things like that. Of course. So yeah, I became a pediatric ER nurse well over a decade ago. Um, I, I knew I wanted to work with kids. And so I started working in all different departments, found my home in the emergency room and developed this great love for caring uh, for kids while in emergencies, you know, it's one of the most vulnerable times for parents and children. And I just love to be there for them. And through that, you know, I saw a lot of illness and disease and I, I was like, man, I just, 
I don't want my kids to have to, to go through this. And so then I just kind of, the wheels started turning in my head and I just dove into research and learning. And I think that's where my love for more, a more natural approach at home came from. So I just feel like my, you know, my, my career as an ER nurse has given me so much. And in that, in that decade, I've had four children and that perspective has given me so much. So I'm just, I'm grateful for all of it for sure. Well, I love that you work um, as an ER nurse in Western medicine, but then at home, you also mix that with a holistic natural approach. And so we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I am curious to know what are some of the major things or what was a thing that you commonly saw in the ER with kids? Oh man, you know, um, so, so there's, there's illness and there's injury and there's emergency and we see a whole lot of all of them. Mostly though, I would say probably illness. A lot of kids, you know, think, or a lot of people might think you just go to the ER when you break your arm or you just go when you hit your head really bad or when you need to get stitches. And yes, like so many kids come in for that, but more, way more children than I thought come in for a fever or come in because they're vomiting or come in. And that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, another light bulb. These moms don't know that maybe they don't need to come in for this. You know, like sometimes they most definitely do, but, and that has just also pushed me to this whole new passion of mine of educating moms at home. And so I would say illness and injury for sure. And then those, those little, you know, tragic emergencies, unfortunately trickle in here and there. That's actually really interesting to me because I didn't realize that people take their kids to the emergency room often for fevers and illnesses like that. So that completely makes sense why you're constantly teaching on your site about things that moms can do in the home to help their children. So thank you. Okay. So on Instagram, you share the five most important things parents can do to raise healthy kids. So I'd love for you to share about those five tips. Of course. So do you have them? I do. Do you want me to, well, let's go in. Let's see how good I do. Okay. Or let's, I'll just ask you, let's go in order. Okay. Let's do that. Number one, you talk about whole foods. So how do they help our children's bodies function properly? Do they help with our immunity? You know what? I'm so glad you're bringing this up. And obviously you've created a community around this idea. I think that food hands down without a doubt, is by far the best medicine that we have on this earth. I think that there is a need for emergency medicine. There's a need for other types of medicine, but having food, you know, grown from the ground that is so nourishing and wonderful for our bodies. I, man, once you learn more about it, it just gets you excited. Like, Whoa, I have this, I can like fill my pantry and my, in my fridge, almost like a first aid kit or, you know, like a medicine cabinet of being like, Oh, my kids are, my kids are, you know, not feeling so well. I'm going to add in a whole bunch of vitamin C and let's get some elderberry and let's do some other things to kind of boost up their immune system. And I just think that food, yeah, whole food shopping at the, around the outside of the grocery stores, getting all that good nutritious stuff in our homes can completely change the health of our homes. And I so agree with that. So the very first time that I found out that foods did something, like for instance, when I was struggling with depression and my doctor was like, you know, spinach is full of good B vitamins and magnesium, both things that you need for your mental health. And I was like, what? I didn't even know foods did things like that, you know? And then I remember the first time I found out that cilantro was a chelator that it actually 
found to heavy metals in our body and brought them out. I'm like, food is miraculous, but we just don't know all these little tidbits that they do. Right. It's amazing. And as a nurse, you learn a lot about your gut. You know, you learn about what it does. And and it took me a while, though, to learn just how much it houses our entire immune system. And so if our gut is off, our health is off. And so what we're putting into our bodies is truly the foundation of our entire of our entire health, you know, so understanding that is just like a whole new, I don't think it should be overwhelming for moms. I think it should be like super exciting and empowering that we have these opportunities to just improve our health just through food. I love that. Okay. You being a mom of four little kids though, do you have any tips for parents to help them feed their children more whole foods? Because for a lot of people, that's not common to feed them a lot of whole foods. Yeah. So I, I feel very thankful that I grew up in a home where my mom did this. So I can't take all the credit that, because I don't know how, how difficult it might be to shift that mindset of you growing up eating packaged foods or corn dogs or chicken nuggets, and then moving to a place of like just shopping around the outside of the grocery stores and not going in the frozen sections. And I, I imagine that that's probably pretty hard. I'm so grateful that I didn't grow up with cold cereal in my house. I didn't grow up with bags of chips. I didn't grow up with frozen things in our freezer for dinner. My mom literally cooked me a warm breakfast every morning and then she made dinner every night. And so I'm grateful to have adopted that. I don't do, I don't do nearly as good as my mom did, but I think those habits have stuck with me. So I would say my number one tip is just keeping only good food in your house. Cause I'm all about having an ice cream cone and a popsicle and, you know, going to birthday parties and having a cupcake, but having that be something that you get outside of your home is to me where the, it makes the most sense. So if your kids are hungry, they're reaching for an apple or they're reaching for an orange or they're reaching for something um, that's good for them instead of filling up on crackers or chips or whatever that may be. I love that. And I love that your uh, mom ingrained that in you. Cause I have to tell you, I came from the opposite. We had the chips, the cold cereal, all of that. And in fact, when I started my health journey and we started, um, l- and we stopped buying like the processed snacks and things, my kids would go to the pantry and be like, there's nothing to eat. What are we supposed to eat? You know, and it was a mindset change for them as well. We had to be like, go get an apple, go get an orange, go, you know, get string cheese, get something else. So I love that your mom ingrained that in you. So totally. And you're probably doing the same thing with your kids. They just get, I went to my sister-in-law's, I mean, my kids were little, but I remember they, she had celery in her fridge and she had a lot of other things, but my kids were like, can I have some celery? And she goes, did your, did your kids just ask if they could have celery? Oh, that's (laughs) so funny. it is just like, that's a snack to them, you know, and and you can teach your kids, no matter how old your children are, if you just eliminate the yucky stuff in your house, kids, kids get hungry and they'll learn to eat what, you know, it's available. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So number two out of your five important things is quality sleep. So just tell my listeners, like what happens in our children's bodies when they are sleeping, how much sleep should children get? And then I'll ask you for tips. Oh my goodness. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Something that I have had to learn to do myself. The, I think there's two big things when it comes to sleep. Number one is understanding that when we sleep, our bodies literally repair themselves. And so missing out on those hours of sleep 
really can be harmful to our health and our immune system and everything in between. And so getting really good quality sleep is very important for our health. Because if we're not, then a whole bunch of other stuff trickle on top of that. Um, I also think a consistent bedtime is really important for kids. The research shows us that even one lost hour of sleep can actually depress the immune system, which is crazy. It is so crazy. We're trying to keep our kiddos healthy and strong, then getting them to bed at a decent time or a consistent time and allowing for a really good night's sleep is really important. And, you know, the amount of sleep obviously differs from babies up until teenagers. So, and your pediatricians have, I mean, they have all of that information. And so it's a quick phone call. How much sleep should my kiddos be getting and making sure that you're allowing a safe, comfortable place for them to get good quality sleep. Well, and I was just going to ask you for tips, but obviously you just gave the tips, the consistent uh, hour. I mean, the consistent time that they go to bed each night, that's just key. And one thing I want to say about sleep. So in my community, people are always asking me about detoxing. Like, should I do a detox cleanse, a detox juice? How do I detox? And when I tell them, guess what? Good sleep, you're actually detoxing. Like you're detoxing hormones during that time and different things. They're like, what? So besides repair, it's also a time that your body can detox. So thank you for saying that. I love that. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because, and that's the most beautiful thing about it is just sweating, you know, and sleeping. Like the most simple things that we can do every day are really our best ways to detox our bodies. So I'm so glad you said that. Okay, so number three of your five important things is physical activity. So how does physical activity benefit a child's body? I love this question so much. It's something that I'm super passionate about in my own life is just trying to sweat every day because I took me a long time to learn that actually every time our bodies sweat, we are releasing a whole bunch of toxins. And what an amazing way to stay healthy and release toxins from your body. And so I try to implement with that with my kids and make it fun. It doesn't have to be these big sports events. It can be like going for a race around the kitchen or going for a walk or just doing these things that um, motivate kids to move their body, think their body, and then sweat. When my kids are sweating, I'm just like so happy. I'm like, yay, you're moving your body and you're sweating. And it, it just, it just helps so much with overall health. I love that. It's so important and it's important for kids as well as adults. So thank you for that. Okay. Number four on your list is clean water. So I've actually been on a kick lately about clean water on my site. So what do you mean by clean water and how much water should children be getting? Okay. So clean water, there is a difference between uh, regular water and clean water and dirty water. And so, um, and it differs depending on where we're at, where we live, what kind of system you have. I would, I would highly recommend looking into that. And then if you need to buy a filtration system, I mean, there's several, I know you recommend one to your community, um, but having a filtration, a filtration system in your home allows for really clean water. And when we have clean water, it is, it's just, again, to the, to the cellular level, more beneficial for our bodies. And then kiddos should drink the easiest way I can think of is how, however many years they are, they are is however many cups they should drink. And it stops in about, you know, 10 years old. And then it just kind of stays the same up until when you're an adult, but I would, well, I think, I, I think you, I think you've shared this too, but I try to drink a gallon a day, which is well over 10 cups. 
but I really, again, water just, uh, it's almost like water goes in and then everything starts working. Water goes in and everything starts working. And so having clean water, allowing your kids to, to offer that frequently, you can do a cool cup with a cool straw. You can put, um, you know, a lemon in it or do, you know, a really clean flavor or something like that in your water and offer it often. And then if they're in heat or they're sweating, then offer more water because our bodies, or if they have a fever, offer more waters because it uh, uses so much water to get through those kind of things. So as you're talking about water, I just had the thought, school is starting pretty soon for us. And what's your thought on all the juice boxes? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I am not a fan of that. And I, I prefer to send my children with their own water bottle and I will splurge and get them an awesome water bottle that they like to carry around and that, that's functional and easy. And then if they want to put, there's some clean flavors that you can put in water for kids. So if that's something that you need to entice them to put just a little bit of flavor in, but it's just water is so much better for our bodies than juice boxes. So if the kid wants to drink a juice box once in a while, but I, I don't, and you know, I prefer not to have that happen every day. Right. Well, and juice boxes are really full of sugar. So if we're trying to watch how much sugar these little kiddos are getting, then uh, swapping out for a water bottle is such a great option. Something about water that I didn't realize for years and years is that um, like 75% of Americans are dehydrated, but don't realize that they're dehydrated. And so I wonder if it's the same with kids as well. Yep, you're absolutely right. And we can teach kids about the color of our pee and what it should look like. And if if the color of your pee is yellow, you're not drinking enough water. That's kind of a fun game for kids, you know? And so then they go guzzle a big thing of water and same for adults, so. I think that that's, I think that that's actually probably very true. I love that little tip. Okay. So your number five item out of the five important things is limiting screen time. So this gets so tricky. I know because there's so many different opinions and things on it, but how does screen time impact children's health and what do you think are okay screen times? Okay. So some people are going to be like, what? She's throwing that one in there. But I think we just live in a day and age where we have to talk about it. Unfortunately, it's just, I mean, screens are everywhere. Screens are amazing. They give us such great information. Our kids can learn from screens. And I think they're wonderful in a certain time, in a certain place. And I am not perfect at this. Sometimes I am, you know, with my three-year-old, I'm like, oh, just give him my phone for just a minute, you know? (laughs) And so give yourself grace and understand that I'm right there with you trying to limit screen time just like you are. Um, but I think just the idea of being like, Hmm, I should probably think about this is a really good start because children, children thrive when they have the opportunity to imagine and create and move their bodies and do, um, you know, I mean, kids are just, kids are just like, they were born with energy for a reason. And if we sit them on a couch and they're watching this, uh, this fast moving, it's, it's, you know, stimulus, it's actually rewiring how their brains work. And I won't get into the research here, but if you're like, oh man, my kid watches a lot of screens, maybe just like, I would encourage you to go learn more about it because uh, limiting screen time actually can really benefit our children's cognitive ability, their, um, 
their ability to focus and all sorts of things like that. So I love though that you aren't saying like, oh, they can only have two hours or they can only have one hour, whatever. I am very much like that as well, that you know what, every family needs to decide for themselves what works best. But as long as you're thinking and aware, like, oh, maybe they've had enough time, maybe it's time for them to go out and play, then you're doing a great job as a mom. Of course. And I, and I think screen time can be a reward. You know, it's not something that they wake up and they turn on the screen and that will set the tone for the whole day. So for me, if my kids watch, you know, one, two, three, four hours a day, then I would just prefer that it was after they've done their chores, they've been outside, they've done, you know, they've had a great day and now let's just calm down and let's, you know, have some quiet time or something like that. That's great. That's great. Okay, so now I am so interested about sick kids because I still am thinking about how all these parents brought their sick kids to the ER. So let's talk about when kids get sick in the home. Are there different treatments that you recommend for viral sicknesses versus bacterial uh, sicknesses or infections, I should say? Yeah, so, um, you know, they're, again, this just gets me so excited to talk about because there's so much we can do at home as a mom or caregiver to help our children before we have to go to the doctor. And I want everybody to hear that loud and clear. There's so many things that we can do. Now there's a difference between a virus and a bacteria virus. Uh, you, you know, what medicine will say, there's just nothing you can do for viruses and they'll send you home. And they did that all the time. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You know, like, there actually is so much you can do. Like stay here and let me kind of help you go home and go buy some garlic and go buy some lemon and go buy some ginger and go, you know, make them this tea or go get some elderberry. And so there's just so many things that we can do. And there are very similar things that I do, whether it's a virus or a bacteria, because that's not our job as moms to figure out is, is it a bacteria? Is it a virus? So if your child does get sick, then um, the first thing the very first thing I do is I will make just a little tea. So a hot cup of water with a lemon juice in it, a fresh lemon juice, um, some minced garlic and some raw honey. That is like my go-to, the, the first sign of sickness. I do that for my kids. It's a warm drink. They drink it. They do really well with it. And if you can do that, you know, a couple times a day, I, I swear by that. It just nips stillness in the butt. And then on top of that, I do have some more supplements. If you want me to talk about that, I do in my home. Yes. It's just like a first line defense, whether it's a virus or bacteria. My listeners would love hearing what they are. So why don't you go for it? Okay. So the first thing is elderberry. Love elderberry so much, but elderberry is the herb that you have to give soon in illness or it doesn't work quite as well. So if you have, if you can have elderberry on hand, give elderberry right away. And of course the dosing and all that, work it out with your healthcare provider and the age of the child and the needs and all of that. The other thing I'll do is give extra zinc. I think zinc is the, it's just a powerhouse for boosting our immune system and helping help fight off the invading, whether it's bacteria or virus. Um, and then the third thing that I do is elder or um, golden seal and echinacea. So golden seal and echinacea are unbelievable for bacterial infections, but they also have so many properties in them that help with viral infections. So that's like my powerhouse team. If I can start with that little tea tincture that is the lemon, raw honey, and the garlic, you can add in ginger if you want to, 
And then I'll do elderberry, zinc, and golden seal and echinacea. I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't help them feel better by the next day, it's definitely going to help shorten the duration of the illness. Okay. What about vitamin C? Because my concoction, my routine is very similar, but mine has vitamin C. Okay. Amazing. Vitamin C. Absolutely. I think in my head, I just get so, uh, my kids eat so much vitamin C. They just, that's their favorite kind of foods. And so my, and I think that's another important thing to realize is what are your children eating? What is their diet? What are they missing? And so for me, I absolutely, I mean, vitamin C is the other powerhouse of boosting the immune system and helping out fight infection off. So I would say, yes, if I were to grab a a third or fourth, that would be vitamin C. So I'm right there with you, but I will just put in a plug about honey because I said honey two times. If you have babies under one years old, they should not have honey. So you would do. Yeah. Without the honey. Yep. Okay. So my question for you is if one child is sick, do you give all four children this, these concoctions or just the sick child? Yeah. Great question. So I would give everybody elderberry without a doubt and some extra vitamin C without a doubt and some extra zinc without a doubt. I may not add in the echinacea golden seal unless they were actually sick. Um, but yeah, I mean, what does it hurt? It's really good for our bodies and it helps, uh, prevent illness, especially elderberry. If you can take that before you're even sick, hopefully it'll help fight it off in the first place. Okay. Let's talk about fevers because I know fevers as a young mom scared me until I realized what fevers were doing. So explain to my listeners what fevers are and why they can be beneficial and when they actually should be um, worrisome. Yes. So fevers tell us that there's some sort of infection or something going on in our body and they just pretty much are like, Hey, your body's doing something. So I'm going to help you out. So fevers are alarming for parents. I see it all the time. I mean, literally like hundreds and hundreds of parents come in every year just for a fever because their child got a fever and a fever is over when the temperature of the body is over 100.4 Fahrenheit. Now for any child less than two months old, that's always something to be seen for. Always. If your child has a fever over 100.4 and they're under two months old, you should have them seen. But for older babies and children, fevers are not the bad guys. They're helping their bodies fight off whatever is bothering them. And so allowing that fever to work is something that I'm just, I can't say loud enough. Just allow the fever to work and to do its job. And if there's any point along the way that you're uncomfortable or that you need to give medication um, because they're not giving off the couch or they're not eating or drinking, Actually, they don't, they don't even need to eat with fevers, but if they're not drinking, then of course you can give them some medicine and you can do all sorts of other things to help a fever, but just understanding that fevers are not the bad guys. They're actually helping fight off the bad guys. Well, and the fever, a lot of times is helping shed the virus and getting rid of that virus. And for years, I didn't realize that. So if you have this sick child that's on the couch and doesn't want to move, What are some of the tips that you do to help your kids out with fevers? So lots and lots of water. I give lots and lots of water. And then I love, I love a cool, not a cold, but I love a cool bath, maybe with some Epsom salt in it. 
I really like apple cider vinegar wash rags that are cool. So I'll soak them in apple cider vinegar. I'll put them in the freezer. And then, I mean, it only takes a couple seconds. And then I take them off and you can put, wrap them around their hands or their feet or their forehead. Cucumber juice does amazing things for fevers. So there's some basic, just very basic little things we can do to help them feel better. Uh, but I don't get too aggressive in trying to bring the fever down with my kiddos. I kind of just... And very rarely are they sick for more than one or two days. Right. So at what temperature is it worrisome? That is the question. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, a lot of people have this 104 in their head. Um, But I will say from my experience in the ER, there is no number on the thermometer that is going to tell you how sick your child is. So your child could have 105 fever and then there's another child next to him and he has 100.6 fever and they could be much sicker than the child with 105 fevers. So my biggest piece of advice when your child has a fever is pay way more attention to your child than you do the number on the thermometer. Oh, that's interesting. That's good to know. But that's what makes fevers worrisome is because there isn't an exact number. Yeah, that's true. There isn't an exact number, but man, just this most simple common cold can cause really, really high fevers and really, you know, uh, small little ear infections can cause really, really high fevers and fevers don't make our children feel great. You, we got to understand that they are going to want to lay down. They aren't going to want to feel like playing, but as soon as that fever breaks, so let them nap, let them lay down. But as soon as that fever breaks, pay attention to how they act. Do they perk up and they're kind of okay and they're drinking and they're interactive? Then you're like, okay, awesome sign as a mom. I don't need to worry. If they don't have a fever and they're not getting off the couch and they're not drinking, that's the red flag that you want to pay attention to. Good to know. Okay. As you talk about cucumber juice and echinacea and these apple cider vinegar rags, I'm thinking, wow, she worked in Western medicine, but she's talking holistic medicine right now. So how do you balance the two? What do you recommend to people? Yeah, so I am so glad you asked that. So I love to try all the things that are least invasive and most natural and most best for my children. And if it doesn't work, if at the point where, let's say a child, so a fever can go three to five days without me personally with what I know without me even thinking about taking my child to a doctor. Once it hits about three to five days plus, then you're like, hmm, I wonder if I need some help. But in the meantime, I'm just going to try to help them at home. Now, there is a point as a mom where you're like, I just really need to figure out what's wrong with my child. Their fever's so high, they're not getting off the couch. I think I'm going to take them to the doctor. That's a point where maybe I would give some ibuprofen see if the fever came down because again if the fever comes down and they're like okay thanks mom i feel great then they probably don't need to see the doctor but if again the fever comes down and they're acting like that then it's like yep let's take them in and see the doctor does that make sense so i will try some things all all the natural things first and then i'll give some medicine and then let's say i take them to the doctor and they're like they really need an antibiotic this is really bad strep great let's do an antibiotic And let's do a probiotic and do things to heal after the antibiotic. Great. Sounds like a great plan. So I think that there there's, I don't fear medicine. I don't think that it's, I don't think it's evil. I think that it's there and it has its place. I just think there's some things and tools that we can do before we have to get there. I love that you merged the two because I'm constantly trying to teach people that we can merge the two. It doesn't have to be one or the other. 
Okay, so on your site, you talk a lot about choking and CPR. Did you see a lot of this in the ER? Is that why you teach it quite often? Okay, so unfortunately, we saw CPR every day to every other day, at least a few times a week. And um, that's just kind of the reality of of life. And a lot of people can't really grasp that concept. Like every day. Wow. Yeah, that is a lot. Almost like every day there was a child that needed resuscitation. And so, I mean, man, just from that, that just has opened up a whole world of being passionate about helping moms keep their babies safe and healthy at home, because it is just it is just the reality. But with that, I don't think there, I don't think we need to have fear around that. I think that we need to say, okay, like I'm going to wake up every day with gratitude and I'm going to live my life to the absolute fullest and let my children do the same thing because it could be gone at any moment. And that is truly like my biggest mission is to just say, enjoy your babies, enjoy your life, enjoy motherhood while it's here, because for some people it's not anymore. And so that's a reality that I'm very grateful for and a perspective that I've learned over time. Choking, um, I can count. So personally, I've taken care of four children in 10 years, but this is me personally that have lost their life to choking. And I remember every single one of them, what they look like, what their names were, because there was something about that tragic accident to me that is just scary, right? It's like, oh my gosh, if I wasn't able to help my child, that would just feel so helpless to me. And so I taught classes, I taught parents how to help in at, at the hospital, I taught parents how to help uh, their babies if they choke. And then when my son was 10 months old, he choked on a hard peppermint candy and it fully occluded his airway. So he was in a car seat, we were at a restaurant and my little three-year-old shared her peppermint candy with him, not knowing that he couldn't have it. And he put it in his mouth my other little girl tugged on my shirt and said, mom, Jack's choking. And so I, I go over and I look at him and his face is blue. There is no air going in oh, wow. or there's no coughing. There's no n- nothing. He looks panicked. I pick him up out of the car seat and I do what I've been trained to do as a pediatric ER nurse. And after what felt like forever, finally that peppermint candy flew across the restaurant floor. Just, I just remember that it was like, one more back blow and then it just his body just oh i just remember it like it's every yesterday i had chills all over my body and i remember in that moment he just laid lifeless on my chest he was white and he just laid lifeless he was awake and i fell to the ground and i just my brother-in-law was there and he said to me what if a mom didn't know how to do that mm-hmm. and that's where it all started for me i was like you're right moms need to know exactly what to do if their babies choke. And so that is, I mean, if, you know, there's so many passions and missions that I want to be a part of, but uh, helping parents understand how much power and uh, how capable they are of saving their child's life is one of the most important things to me, especially when it comes to choking. Wow. Uh, that's an incredible story. And I'm so glad that you've been passionate to teach people about it. And you were saying, you know, I don't want parents to fear this stuff. And I thought when I'm afraid of something, it's because I don't know how to do something. And so 
if we know how to save someone choking, if we know how to do CPR, then we don't fear it every day because we're like, okay, we feel empowered. We could take care of things if something happened because you never know when that accident is going to happen. You're exactly right. And that's, that's what it is. People say, well, how do I not, how do I not be nervous about this? And I say, learn more about it, you know, learn more about it. As soon as you have the tools, all of a sudden you're like, I am capable, you know, let's, let's start introducing solids. Let's, but there's also things that we can do. I know my house is a safe place for my toddlers to explore. You know, I know that, you know, a whole hot dog probably isn't safe for my, for my one-year-old. So let me, you know, so there's things we can do to help prevent it. And then there's things we can do to just truly be prepared to handle it if it does come. Well, I have to say, I always love when you show like your choking videos or your CPR um, videos, because I'm CPR certified, but it's just like a nice little refresher every time you do it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. So keep doing those because they're great. And sometimes it does take a lot of repetition, especially for our mom brains that are so busy, you know, just seeing it over and over again and reap and playing those scenarios in your head, even though it does feel uncomfortable and scary so that when it comes, you already know what to do. You don't have to panic. That's really, really important. Right. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I love that on your site, you really are trying to empower moms, empower them to feel confident in their skills of helping their children with their immune health, with injuries, illnesses, things like that. Are there any other tips that you would want to give these moms listening to feel empowered in their children's health? Oh man, you know, I would say if I could give any advice to moms anywhere, it is to trust that intuition that you have been gifted. There is so much we can learn. There's so much knowledge that's available to us, but if it doesn't work right alongside or even behind our gift of intuition as mothers, then we're never going to fulfill the entire purpose that we have in this role. And so really tapping into your intuition and paying attention to that is such a gift. That's why that's, that's probably why we don't get a handbook is, you know, the big man upstairs is like, I gave you that you're good. You know, you're going to know when things are, things need to be shifted or changed, or you need to go into the doctor or you can stay home. And so I would say, learn as much as you can, but really, really tap into your intuition because you know much more than you think, you know, that's great advice. Okay, one other health issue I want to ask you about, because I have a lot of followers who deal with eczema, their kids deal with eczema. So I just want to quickly ask you, it's common in kids, it seems like lately. Do you think there are root causes to eczema like gut issues? Does food play a part? 100,000%. I think, and I, I haven't seen you teach about this, but Oh man, I would say that a huge part of eczema and something that actually, I, if you really dig into it, it actually is science. Our gut is so, what happens in our gut is the, the basis for everything. And so even to our skin. And so I think I know without a doubt that, uh, foods can irritate our skin just by eating those certain foods. And so paying attention and, you know, I'm sure you talk about this a lot, but like when your child, when they do have eczema, what is it that's triggering the eczema? What other, and I I think environmental factors and everything like that can play into it as well. But I do think that there's deep root causes of eczema. And so 
if you're a mama out there and you're just putting steroid cream on all the time and that sometimes kids need that and that's okay too. But I think really trying to dig in and finding a provider that can help you find a root cause could greatly benefit you and your baby. So besides steroid creams, do you have any like home remedies that you've used for eczema? So my kiddos actually have never dealt with eczema. So I don't have, um, I don't have anything that I have tried. I think that, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. There's a concoction. I better not go into that. I don't have anything that I have tried personally, but I do know that all over Tubby Todd ointment for my sister has worked wonders. I'm sure there's some other, you know, natural things that you teach, but because I haven't dealt with it in my own home, I haven't, um, I haven't used much of anything. However, I did make a highlight on eczema and I asked my whole community what they do and I compiled a list. So there is a list there if people want to go refer to that. Oh, awesome. Well, and it's true, as you mentioned, Tubby Todd, it's really important that people use the creams and lotions and washes and everything without all those synthetic fragrances and, you know, certain chemicals and things like that. So I will say that is probably the biggest thing is just getting rid of those soaps that you're putting on your, you know, if they have fragrances and all of these different chemicals in them that are just making the eczema worse, trying to get rid of those and just clean with water when you can, or use a soap that's clean. It's a really good, good idea to start. Right. Okay. So I know some of my followers or listeners here follow you as well. And we love watching you travel. Um, you went to Hawaii. Now you guys are, we're in Puerto Rico. Then you are back now in Utah. So what's, I'm sure people ask you this all the time. Like, where are you going next? Or are you going to settle in one spot? Oh, that is the golden question. So, you know, we have just felt so grateful for the opportunity to travel. So I worked as a pediatric ER nurse for 10 years. And as you can imagine, it, is, it gets hard. And there's a lot of things that, you know, it weighs on you. And it, you can, a lot of ER nurses get burned out because you see a lot of bad things every single day. And then finding the way to disconnect and go home and be with your babies and be present and um, so I thought, you know what, babe, let's move to Hawaii for one year. Let's just move to Hawaii for one year. We saved our money. We did everything we could to get this Hawaii fund so that we could live there for a year. And then that year turned into two and, uh, then COVID hit. And so we came back to Utah and we were with our family. And then he was like, I think we should go somewhere else. <laughs> and long story short, we ended up in Puerto Rico and we've now been there for six months and we're visiting family for the summer, but we'll he be heading back to Puerto Rico in about a month. And so we just feel so, so, so grateful. I don't know what's next. There is a dot, 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 but I just feel like I, I can't even say how grateful I am for the opportunity to be able to do this with my little ones while they're little. Oh, that's so fun. Well, we'll just have to keep following you to see what your future holds then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And it's just been, man, such a blessing to be able to educate moms from anywhere in the world. You know, I just am so grateful for anyone that's listening, anybody that takes the time to learn more and do better and be better. It's just amazing. And it says a lot about you guys. Okay. Tell my listeners where they can find you, but then also tell them a little bit about your online course that you have. Cause I think it's amazing. This course you have. Oh, thank you. So 
You can find me at Shantrip. So it's S-H-A-N-T-R-I-P-P. That's my Instagram handle. That's my website. You can learn more about my online course there. I do different workshops and masterclasses where I go live with you and really walk you through all things. But my, my baby, the signature course, Mastering Medical Emergencies at Home is the best place to start because I go through all the illnesses and injuries and emergencies that most parents have to deal with at one point or another in their home. And I give you tools to uh, learn how to care for your kiddos if they do get sick and not be afraid of the fevers and know what signs to look for when they hit their head. And, you know, there's, there's a point where you just really don't need to worry. And then there's a point where you need to worry. And I make that line very clear in my course. And so hopefully giving parents, you know, just the confidence and calmness to care for their babies at home and be prepared to handle any emergency because they truly, I mean, people, parents don't know just how capable they are. And I want to help them believe that. Well, and in your course, you do a lot of videos that people can actually watch, but then you've also got the like PDFs, the hand handouts that they can keep for reference, right? Yep. So I do videos. So I'm talking to you like mom to mom in our living rooms and we go over all of these things and then I have audio and I have writing and whatever your learning style is, is there for you. And then I have these quick reference PDFs so that if something does come up and your child does hit their head or they do swallow a poison or they do break their arm, you can know exactly what to do just by following these PDFs. I think that's genius that you came up with all of that and is such a great reference for people. So if my listeners want to buy it, they just find it on your website, correct? Yes, but I will give you a code. I don't do discounts very often, but I love Carolyn and I love communities like this. You guys are my people. So I will give you a code. Um, you can name it. Do you want it to just ingredients? Perfect. Just ingredients is okay, great. Perfect. I'll give you a code that will be active um, for 24 hours. Perfect. Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay, perfect. So I always end my podcast by asking my guest, what do you think the best ingredient in life has been for you? Oh my goodness. Oh, so many, but you know, is it just so cliche for me to say, to say love? <laughs> no, you know what? Not very many have actually answered that. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I can think of like hope and faith and courage and like, I just think there's so many but unless we have love, love that lives inside of us and love that lives on the outside of us, like, what is this life for? And so I just like, I just go back to love, love in your home, love outside of your home. That's what I think is the most important ingredient. Well, and I love that you actually show that on your Instagram, because every time I follow you, I'm like, you can just see the love in your family and the love that you have for your kids. So love really is such a a great ingredient. So thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you for saying that. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I have loved asking you about just how as moms, we can help these little kiddos in our house. And I know the listeners have learned something. And if you are not following Shannon, go follow her on Instagram, because I promise you will feel that happiness and love that I talked about, but you will also learn so much. So thank you again, Shannon, for being here. Thank you guys so, so much. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. 
Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.